Hello, I'm Serena Dot Ryan, and welcome to the See Digital Clearly Show. This show is dedicated to inspiring action. Each episode, there is an interview with a thought leader doing great things with digital. They will share their insights and experience to get you inspired and focused to create the life you want thanks to digital. In this episode, Greg Van Borsum, filmmaker, multi-award winning pistol shooter and bodybuilder, joins me. Greg is someone who is incredibly infectious when you meet him. His determination is awe-inspiring. And if you ever want to know someone who can do anything he sets his mind to, this is him. In this episode, he shares with me how and why he is so driven to achieve what he wants and how he's looking at and using digital to leverage to get the best of what he wants, and that is to have the life he really wants. Hello, Greg. How are you? I'm very well, Serena. Yourself? Fantastic. Look, thank you so much for, uh, you know, having some time in your schedule to have a chat. This is really a unique opportunity, I think, to as we were saying there, have a chat and talk about what you've been able to achieve with the lovely world of digital. Well, what have I been able to achieve? I'm still trying to figure it all out. There's so much to do. with The digital world goes so fast that you're always behind the eight ball. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting one for me. Yeah, look, I think it's easy to feel that way when there's so many things you could be doing. And I, I see that you've you have a knack for just jumping in and getting things done, which I absolutely love. And you, you're really driven. I, you know, I, I'm interested in knowing where is this drive come from? Like what did you want to be when you grew up? I mean, if you look at what was expected of me, there wasn't much. I mean, the, you know, right back when I first walked through the gates in kindergarten, my kindergarten teacher told my parents I'd be the reason she quit the profession. And it, it just went from there. So I never improved much <laughs> school for me, but it, it, there was something in me that, and I think it was probably my, the actual office secretary, Mrs. Pam White, who's now passed away. She, she was the one after my parents had been called up to school, God knows how many times about my baby. She was the one that said, this kid's got some spunk. And if, if he directs his behavior and learns to focus his energy, there's nothing he won't be able to do. And she said that to me when I was in uh, second grade. And that was one of the things that I, it made me kind of sit up and go, well, you know, maybe I can do something. And I think that was the point I really started to dream about what I could sort of be. And then, you know, the focus came when I was about 12, 12 and a half for what I was my, the first thing I wanted to achieve. So that, which was bodybuilding, because that was just a, something I discovered. I was a skinny kid. I used to get bullied and picked on. I was the youngest kid in a rough area. And, uh, you know, life got a bit tough sometimes. And so I thought if I get big, I can at least get rid of people. I can you know, get them out of my way. So, you know, and, I just found a magazine when I was training one day and went across to my friend's place who I was training with. And I found a picture of a guy called Bob Paris who just won the U.S. heavyweight national championships. And I was skinny as a rake. I jumped up and said, that's what I want to be. I'm going to be the national champion. And my mate's mum virtually laughed me out of the house. And that was the day I went back to the gym. I sat on the bench and said, yeah, you watch me. Watch what I do. And, uh, you know, 18, I won it. 19, I won it. 20, I won the heavyweight. And I all went pro at 20 and went to three missed universes by 21. And, you know, I was the world's youngest professional natural bodybuilder in the world. And by the time I was 23, I'd kind of had enough, but I realized I'd under, I very quickly learned that the, the focus and mindset was what was going to get you where you wanted to go in life. And I just 
what George Miller calls my reapplication of mastery. He said, you get very good at one thing, you master it, and then you, you move on. He said, I, he, that's one thing he's always enjoyed watching me do, I suppose, to have known him for so long. But, you know, I'll put, set my mind to one thing only and I'll just finish it. And when I've had enough of it, I'll move on to the next thing. That's such a valuable skill to have. You think in this world of, I guess, digital media, we can get so caught in, uh, I see it, like not being able to focus on one thing at a time. Oh, we're like, like bloody goldfish these days. You know, we're like, we're seriously like goldfish these days. We have such a short memory and attention span and all the rest of it. It's, it's terrible. And I think what's happened now, instead of taking all your focal energy and pointing like the head of a spear and the tip of the spear becomes your focus, we've got so many things that, and this is the, the negative of digital, is you have so many aspects of digital around us now, you know, be, be you on social medias or, you know, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all the rest of the stuff. They got LinkedIn. You can get so tied up in that, you actually don't do anything. Mm. And I, I, I find that that's something we have to really address in the world of digital. I'm going to speak to the heads of Lego in, a, in about three weeks' time about this very thing, about the world of digital and how it can be positive or negative. Because it can be va- valuable, as you know, really positive yes. and valuable to get a message out there and, and to internationally and you know, business-wise, running a business 24-7, all those things which I'm still trying to learn. But it's, it's getting... It's getting that focus and maintaining that focus that, that's going to make, make or break the business, I believe, in the future. It's so true. I guess it's easy We talk about positive, negative side of it. When it comes to value of how it's helped you with what you're doing, when did you notice that it could be valuable for you? It was funny because, I mean, after – I mean, I've always used emailing systems. That's just that's basic email, not, not social media, yes. to, to write and do all my film work and – you know, we, we started working from home, just emailing things to each other. But you still had to have that face-to-face. You still needed that, I think, because so many things can be misread or mis- <laughs> misinterpreted in, in when it's in tight format that it's very valuable having uh, the face-to-face. And if you can't do face-to-face, then they come up with Skype and what we're on now, Zoom and all these other things, which you can actually still look and see someone. And yeah. I think it's a really valuable tool in that respect for having – you can look at those idiosyncrasies of a person and see what they're actually doing and where they're at. But where it became valuable for me was in the when I you know talk about leadership or mental health and any of the videos that I do, it's it's about getting the message out there on a global level and you know so my messages get picked up by Lifeline USA and by different and they go out to millions of people and even though you don't see it on your own webpage, mm. that happens you know and and I don't mind that at all. God, as, as you know, in my in my opinion, if, if one person sees it and helps one person, that's just as good as helping a million. I love how you say that. It doesn't necessarily have to be on your website to be a valuable like within the digital space no that's right i mean it's 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 very simply getting the message to someone who needs it and i mean the thing i'm still trying to come to grips with is getting it out there targeted i suppose targeted campaigning and those things is still something that i'm delving into myself you know i've i'm one of these people that likes doing lots of stuff but you you either become the jack of all trades and the master of none i mean i like to focus on one thing at a time because i love to speak and i love to do certain things you know and i like writing and, and filmmaking and that it's you know, social media has helped me and, and the digital world's helped me a lot with my videos and that sort of work to get a message out to people a lot. But, I mean, there's still a lot to learn from me and it's changing so fast. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can see it's, well, it keeps me very busy just keeping to one area of it in trying to keep up as well. I love how sure. you do say, though, you're a learner and that's actually an incredible trait to have when you always feel like you're learning, you you end up absorbing a lot more as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you do. You, yeah, and you have to. It's, you, it's kind of like, you know, you, you're either, you know, I always call it deep end learning. For me, it's, 
I've always been a little bit too. I always t- tell people that my na- my naivety and my stupidity is taking me further in the world than my intelligence. Because <laughs> people that are really smart think about stuff so much that they find all the negatives and all the possibilities that could go wrong to the point where the, the possibilities of negativity outweigh the positives, and they don't do it. So I'm a big believer in going. You know what? That's where I'm going, and whatever the friggin' hell happens on the way, I don't care. We'll deal with it when it comes up, and you know that's how we roll. And it, for me, that's always worked out better. It hasn't always worked out financially better, but it's a big learning curve. And I mean, for me, the world isn't about money. It's about, you know, bettering the place. And so when you leave here one day, you've left a legacy that's worth leaving. And so, I mean, that's why I've written my latest book and that's why the things I write, it's all, it's all for people to give something worthwhile. And I, I write honestly, I speak honestly, I don't bullshit to anybody about what I think the world should be and shouldn't be and have fluff it up. Like, you know, some speakers do. I'd tell people the, the truth about it and, you know, they'll either love it or they hate it, but at least I know where you stand. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for that. I, I love the fact that um, digital marketing and we'll say these social media tools are here to help us. And from what you're saying as well, you, you believe the same. It's We've got to actually use them to be straightforward rather than, you know, um, the whole spoken mirror side of things because that does catch up with people thanks to digital marketing as well because there is actually nowhere you can, um, you don't have longevity in the space if there's any of that um, trying to put the right image out there. Well, it's true. Like, and that's what, exactly what you're saying there is exactly what businesses keep stuffing up. They, they keep trying to work out what space they need to be and what the public should think of them. It's like just frigging be honest. Just tell people what you're planning to do, what you are, what you stand for and see who adheres to you that's your market, you know, right there. I mean, for me, these positioning statements, all these things that people get into, it's just kind of silly, but you know, I'm a big believer in just being honest. And then if you are honest and you tell it as it is, and you you stand for something in the market space, then the people that want that, they'll come to you. Yeah. That's well said. It's like you give them the choice. They don't have to like you, but if they do, then you've got the right people. Yeah, exactly right. And I mean, you you will get, and then because what happens if you're a little bit dishonest and a little bit shallow or you don't quite, and you need to ask the public what you should be, then people won't believe you for very long, I suppose. It's more what I'm getting at. And, you know, they, once you're distrusted, it's very hard to earn trust. You know, it's very, very easy to get something negative said about you. You know, it's very hard to get rid of that. So, you know, I believe if you stand for the right thing and you, and you, you actually, even in your marketing, everything, you put a clear message out there, this is what we do then you'll, you'll get the audience you're meant to get. Oh, I love it. Because what I don't like is when you see things like on Facebook and everyone's leading these superficial BS lives and selfies of, you know, fish lips and all that stuff they do every day. And what happens is is they could be doing that in the middle of their, you know, their bathroom, whatever it might be, and pretending they're having this great life when they're not. They're all isolated. And I think that's one of the downfalls and scary bits of social media and the, and the digital world, which can make people very isolated. So I think one of the, I think one of the journeys for us, I suppose, in digital marketing and digital work, and this is for my neophyte status in the next number of years is to bring people out and back into the personal space again. You know, I, I remember a few years back and I was thinking about it today in regards to when the insurance companies and you'd ring up the NRMA or AMP or whoever you'd call and you'd get, you'd get a computer. And then everyone said, oh, we'd want to speak to a person again. Yes. But then, then they shipped it off to India. And so you talk to some Indian person who seems to know all about you. And people even got more offended about that. It's like people want to talk to someone in their own home space, you know. And it's just, I, I think that people want connection again. And I think there has to be a way of, in the social media, social marketing, the, the network marketing of, of the digital age, I think we need to work out how to bring people back into being people again. Because I think we've lost our way somehow. 
you know, there's something yeah. missing right now. I think it's you. You remind me of I went and caught up with the. Um, this guy called Chocolate Johnny. He has a chocolate shop in Rose Bay and he was talking about how it was in the news a few weeks ago, a digital agency created a social media account based on a, based on a person, but it was, it was fictional. It was created. They created uh, these beautiful images and put them up on Instagram of this person that didn't actually exist, built up the audience for this person and then because they had this huge audience, they were able to then go and market that to a business who wanted to have influencer marketing with this fictional person. And they signed up and said, yep, we'll actually we'll pay so we, that person can be talking about us in Instagram. And they did this all as a case study to demonstrate that it's it's so you we've gone off track in like looking for these perceptions of people that aren't actually even there because we think that's the right way to be doing digital marketing. That's right. And it's, like, and it's, it's always like the, you know, and I know myself, if I flash up photos on Instagram of me when I was 21 and doing Mr. Universe, the, the hits go through the window. Yeah. And then if, if it's one of me now, you know, for nearly 47 years of age doing my mind warrior stuff, you know, you get a lot less in regards to what, what you look like now versus when you were 20, you know? And so it's all about the, the look and the perception of this, superficial thing we're into now which we don't want to know what's under the surface you know and it's, it's actually the same person just a lot later in life but it's yeah we, we, there's a lot more we need to get into these days i think we're, we're very very and i see i see when i'm working with actors i see it when i work with stunt performers some are very very superficial they'll skim across the top of stuff i think they've got it and i think you've got to get under the skin of it and find the nuts and bolts and how it ticks and works before you really nail down you know how to get through this yeah i think though it's a fine line because I actually admire the fact that you're putting photos out there of you doing your bodybuilding. It's actually you because I actually see that as quite authentic. And what's the engagement is with an audience that sees, you know, face value. At the same time, it comes from an authentic place, which is a unique space. It's not like it's someone else. It's actually you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's so a, it, it it's is, a fine it, it line, though. I agree with you as, as well. You've got to get the balance there. For sure. Now, when did you, I guess, when did you decide to use digital tools for your business? Like you you decide to, for example, have videos and um, you mentioned emails obviously worked effectively for you, so that's actually a good start as well. Email was back before everything else started up, you know, because, you know, my family's been connected with computers and stuff since the, dawn of time really my uncle ray was one of the heads of ibm and uh, you know many many moons ago you know, he lived around the world and so we were we sort of touched on computers when i was a kid and mm-hmm. i not that i actually got to use them when i was a kid i kind of was self-taught i, I bought myself a couple of laptops and absolutely destroyed them by accidentally wiping parts of the memory you shouldn't have wiped and you know all the things you learned so i threw them in the bin and bought another one and kept learning but it's for me what when it really started to make sense was when I got onto into speaking and, you know, and I wasn't speaking to make money. I, I started speaking to change people's lives in all honesty and to get that message out on a regular basis. And I mean, I've got my leadership series, which is just started up and I've, you know, same deal when you're trying to do everything yourself, sometimes you're trying to have daylight, but it's the, the, the whole series was to be on a regular basis. So people who were struggling could get connection with someone. And, and I'm very open people that are struggling. I, I give them my contact numbers. I, I'm, very happy to talk to anybody who's having a rough time or needs needs advice. I think that's just what I like to do. I like to help people. 
And but that was a way of really getting the email out there, the web page out there, all the YouTube channels and things out there to people. And it was and it happened very quickly. It, it worked really well. So I found that just by doing that and having the other links on there as well, so people could click on that and get onto LinkedIn or click on that and get onto Twitter or onto the other accounts that you have. It, it sort of it really spread a lot more, you know, a lot faster. And you know, and as I said, I'm still learning this stuff. I'm still very very early days with this and, and nailing this stuff down. You know, I'm still going to pull myself out of the 80s and 90s to, to move <laughs> forward into where we are now. And, you know, because I'll focus on writing for a while and I'm writing another screenplay at the moment. So I'll do that. And then I go, God, I've got to do the Mind Warrior series. And I've got to do this and I've got to get that done. I've, so I list it out and I bash it out as quickly as I can. And then I cut it myself. I love to edit. So there's so many aspects of the digital world because digital editing systems are amazing. I mean, still speaking in the digital world, I mean, when we were from linear film editing, which was just horrendous into digital editing and you could drag and drop and move things around it, it just changed our lives. And so for me to cut together a video back, say, 10 years ago, would have taken days compared to now I can do it in about two hours. And then I can get it out there, upload it to YouTube, get it out there, get the links out across every one of my networks and get the word out as fast as I can. And that's, for me, that's been great, just using all those tools to the best of my ability. I mean, this, I gather, you know, you could probably do it tenfold better than me, but it's just that's how I sort of bash my way through the forest with this stuff. Yeah, it, it's an interesting one, though. I think uh, one thing that I am quite passionate about is you you have to learn how to do it yourself before getting others to do it for you. So even if you went out and got others to help you, the fact you know how to do it is a lot more valuable as well. You've, I agree. That, yeah. That's the same way we learn filmmaking. I mean, when I started out, I'm an untrained filmmaker and I taught myself everything about it. And by learning to write, learning to, to, to film, learning to edit, learning to produce, direct, all that sort of stuff, and you know, and learning how to shoot on film and how all the other aspects of it worked, when I actually finally got into movies for real, like actually as a career, uh, I knew I knew how things should be, how long it should take, you know, what the job specifics were, and I could run a thing like clockwork. And that's that's what got me so much further ahead than someone who might have been to film school because I learned the hard way. And I think sometimes that, as I said, that naivety and stupidity thing that I keep talking about is helpful because you'll bang away at stuff and you'll find out. And the other thing you do is you find out sort of, I want to say sort of backdoor entries and you find little secret entries and how to do things that might not be a little hotkey sort of set up. So it might not be by the book. They kind of work. And that's how I've done a lot of my stuff in time is I've kind of worked out other ways to make things happen if I couldn't make it work that way. And instead of banging my head against the wall 55,000 times and wondering why it's not working, I'll find another solution. And that's been one of the greatest assets I think I've ever had in my life is that I've always looked for the other way to find something. If it doesn't work this way, how else do I make it happen? Yeah, I love that. Uh, In fact, I've been learning a new video editing program at the moment and I had a breakthrough today because I'd had a problem with the, the quality of the video. I couldn't figure it out. So what you just said there, I finally, I was like, I was so determined. I was like a dog with a bone. I'm like, I'm going to, this program's not going to get the better of me. <laughs> and I got it today. I had my aha moment. I thought, right, okay, it compressed at the wrong um, format. Yep. I fixed it. So yeah, good. If you're ever looking yeah. for a new program, um, it's called, uh, you may already know about it, Hit Film Express. Right. No, I use Final Cut Pro. I've always used that. Um, that's, that's the... <laughs> That and have it are the two industry standards so you normally use. And I think I, I find Final Cut's better. Yeah, it's, for me, uh, just trying to find different programs that I can work with have been really good. And getting my head around it all is, it's been one of my passion projects for sure. Yeah, and layering the right music and how you do things if you're cutting in, you know, and, how to, and the rhythms of the cutting patterns and all that. I mean, 
I taught myself all that stuff. And I think that that makes it all lends itself to the other bits that you do. I mean, if you learn how to, to edit and cut and put together video, then you can take that presentation to a, if you're doing a, a, an actual hands on face to face audience based workshop, you can intercut video sections throughout your presentations. And then the whole thing just looks so much better and is so much better than if you were f- fumbling around like some people do, I've seen. You know, and, and I like getting out there and just speaking too, but sometimes it's nice to flash out some of the things you do because my life's been very action-packed. So, I mean, sometimes people go, wow, you, you smashed up that and you blew that up and you crashed those things and you, you know, so when people see what you do for real, they go, wow, that's kind of out there. And then they have a lot more respect for the person who's speaking to them. So they kind of listen more, which is fun. Well, that's good to know. Nice. <laughs> it's interesting because I hadn't really thought of it like that as well. I think I, I've recognised that in social media, the number one thing to be doing to get the right visibility with your audience is video. So I've been dedicating probably 12 hours a week purely to video editing at the moment and learning that that's my thing to actually be self-taught. All 12 hours. That's, that's, I have to teach you what I, what I sorry? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry for laughing, but my wife knows that if I say I'm going into my office for a quick edit, she knows I'm gone for 16 hours. So <laughs> okay. Well, that's because when, when I used to cut professionally, uh, I would sometimes do 36, 40 hours before I even walked away from the computer in one hit oh, because I just, you, just, you just get in that zone and you start getting in the... And when you start fading out and things are not working properly, then you walk away. But, you know, some things you can't, like especially big projects will take you a year yeah. and a half. It's, so, so. it's interesting you say that because my frustration has been wanting to put more hours to it, but not having the capacity to at the moment because, like, I can see it's, it's engrossing because, like the level of detail on it is incredible once you actually get into it, I found. It is, and, and, cam- and camera angles of, and, and the position of the camera and the distance of the camera and the lenses and all that sort of stuff make huge differences in what you deal with in video. And, you know, especially, I mean, simple things I teach people, which is the height of the camera matters. I mean, if you're above the eye line of someone, you're now looking in on the situation. But if you drop the camera down just below the eye line, now you're part of it. So if you're talking to people, don't have the camera above your eye line. Have it below your eye line. So when you're talking to people, they feel like you're talking to them. Otherwise, it feels more like security camera footage. You're looking down on someone and it, it's got a different feeling, a different output. So all these little things make huge differences down the line because it's the emotion you're trying to give. You know, when, when you do anything, video, whatever it might be, audio, it's what you leave the audience with. That It's their journey that you're trying to give them, not yours. It's, it's theirs. And so when you do anything, it has to be with their minds, you know, with their outcome or takeaway in the back of your mind the entire time wow thank you that helps a lot that'll be seven hundred dollars <laughs> <laughs> oh. but no, those things matter and they really do even yeah. crossing the line all these all these little things that make huge differences down the pipe and the way you structure your music if you're using music everything it all like and especially if you're putting that stuff out on you know social media or youtube or these channels and then leaking it out everywhere else because we did our first viral campaign with Happy Feet One. We leaked out a little clip of a tap dancing penguin and we just leached it out onto different sites and bang, it went viral. It'd been, by the end of the week, I think it had been seen by three and a half million people. And we went, wow, this is this power in this. That was the first time, that was back in 2004 or five, we realized that there was real power in social media. And that was interesting because, wow, we, we're onto something. And so we started mm-hmm. doing more and more of that. Little clips of Ramon, little clips of Mumble, little clips of, you know, it's, and suddenly everyone wanted to see this Happy Feet movie, you know. So it, it was interesting for me as a learning curve from going from directing that stuff to realising the, the behind-the-scenes marketing and, and knowing what a four-quadrant film is and 
realizing it's all about the other aspects, not just the movie. The movie is the little bit. I mean, the other stuff, it's all the, all the merchandising and all the, the way they sell it before the film even comes out that, that makes a difference. So this whole, you know, digital marketing stuff is so important. Yeah, wow. I think it's it's amazing when you actually say that it's it's a lifetime ago, like that when you talk about 2004, 2005, it's before we even had smartphones in our hands. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's amazing to think how far that's come. Yeah, we and we were, you know, I mean, we had we had some we were at the forefront of the world technology with with that at the time with with and we had a great media people. You know, Warner Brothers Media was backing us hundred percent, so they had a lot of you know vested interest in what we did. So, you know, because we we took the happy. I mean, I'm going off topic now, but the Happy Feet film went from a small, like forty fifty million dollar movie, to to suddenly a ten pole film when they realised what it could do. So, it went to become one of the you know, ten pole film was one of the films that props up the studio for the year. So it went ended up becoming about a hundred fifty million dollar movie. And you know, so it, it became rather important. And so when I got to be part of the the marketing side and watching how that all that sort of stuff came together and worked, it was really interesting to me. Absolutely. My goodness. As it it's it's really at the um they would have been looking if I think back to when I was back stage in the digital space as well very much in that heavily learning because it was still quite untested the social side of things oh yeah like the whole film was a learning curve for me i mean christ i'm a carpenter i mean that's the only qualification <laughs> i have as a carpenter i mean i'm a self-taught filmmaker self-taught whatever everything and so when i when i got roped into directing on happy feet like when george said hey do you want to direct a movie with me and i went yeah what the hell let's have a crack at it i said if i'm terrible get rid of me. You know? <laughs> I mean, same deal. That's, that's why I tell people always say yes and just work all the other crap out later because I'd never directed a feature film in my life. Happy Feet was my first feature movie, for God's sake. And I mean, you know, I'd, I'd done three short films and a couple of video clips for rock bands, international rock bands, and that was on my own back. You know, I did some really big rock bands, like international names, like big names. And to go to get to be doing basically little tiny grabs of my own and then suddenly someone go, oh, we'd love what you do when you're writing. We've seen your fight work. Do you want to direct this Penguin film? I'm like, yeah, what the hell? And I knew nothing about penguins, nothing about computers, nothing about tap dancing, nothing about any of the programs. But I tell you, I promised George, I said, by the end of my time here, I said, I'll be one of the world leaders in this. And I, I immersed myself in it. And this is the, the important thing for people to do is I, I immersed myself in every facet of it. So I understood how to use Maya, XSI, giant motion capture work, every single facet of how everything worked. So by the end of that film, I knew how long everything should take and I could do it most of myself anyway. So when we lost crew members for certain things, they get pillaged under other movies. I just took over and did 90% of the work before the day. So from the process and learned all those programs and understood, you know, the capacity of what could be done with that stuff, then we, we never would have made it, you know. And so, I mean, one of the greatest learning curves I ever had was that film, you know. And then the biggest thing I think we, we're losing on the way now, and I think the digital the digital world, which we need to get back, is we've lost our personal touch. And I think one of the things we're, we're lacking a lot of is, you know, when I see people shooting an email from one desk to the desk next to them, and I get really peeved by that. I mean, I'll, I'd sack the person on the spot for that. So, I mean, it's, you know, I instigated foot and phone, which is, you know, if there's a problem, get off your backside, go talk to someone. And if they're not there, yes. ring them, you know, because that's a better port of call than shooting 55 emails. So, you know, I, I think there's a balance we've got to find somewhere. And I think we, we'll get there one day, but I think it'll be like the, like when people watch a tsunami, you know, when you watch those, <laughs> I can't even call them Muppets, over in that tsunami and all the water's disappearing three or 500 metres, they'll walk out. It's like, anyone ever understood what water does to balance itself out? It kind of goes out, then it comes all the way back in, then it goes out and back. 
So that's what's going to happen, I think, with the, the media and the marketing. It's, we, it's going to go all one way, then it's going to go the other way. And somewhere along the line, we'll find a happy medium where things all work. Oh, I'd say, yeah, that's part of my mission. I, my passion is making sure people are actually using digital for what it's intended for. And yep. what you're saying there, we're meant to be using it to have better lives, which means it should be enhancing who we are in person. So, yeah, I, I get exactly where you're coming from too. It's not just there yeah, to replace I mean- us. No, I mean, you know, I think most people use it just to surf porn, but I mean, other than that, you know, we've, we've got other aspects we can use it for, you know. I think people should clue onto that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's good. Yeah, anyway, you go, keep going. No, that's all right. I was going to just say, like, you, what have you found most challenging once you've, you know, you've decided to do all these things? It's what's been your challenge that's sort of, you know, been in the way of you actually getting to where you want to be? Sometimes I think I think mostly it's it's believing in yourself enough. I mean, for me, it's I have to. I mean, sometimes I've got to go all the way to the bottom to come back up, and that's just the nature of the beast with me. I mean, you know, my early stages of life was kind of like that, and so sometimes I, you know, I think I'm my greatest challenge because you know that, and and I'm I, I every day I have a, like a war with myself. I get up in the morning and, and you sit there, and you know, some days things just don't work, and the wheels are spinning, and nothing's happening, and you know, you kind of wonder why you do it. I mean, there's, there's days with social media marketing stuff that I do, and, and I mean, putting my videos out there especially, that you get up and you go, why the hell do I do this? Like, does it even matter? Does anyone care, you know? And just off the bat, you know, you'll get a, you'll get a message from someone that says, you know, what you did today saved my life or what you did last week. Had I not seen that, I would have taken my life. To, you know, so when, when I get those messages, then I go, you know, just that, if it's just that one person I'm having it, I'm cool. You know, so I mean, I, I do get down on myself in certain aspects when I think things aren't pulling ahead like they should be. You know, I'm very driven, so I like things to happen fast. And so, and I know that they don't because I mean, it took me 15 years to get into films. It took me what eight years to win the World Shooting Championships. It took me seven to win the national international bodybuilding titles. I mean, they take years. When you're in it, you don't notice it so much. But mm-hmm. even my speaking journey, I mean, me speaking these days, it's been three and a half years now, I think, since I started. But my aim was to go and speak internationally after about two years, and I did that. And I did a you know 20 seat tour of the US. But, you know, I, I, there's so much more to do and so much more I want to do. And I get frustrated at myself that I'm not doing more. And I do that often. I get often, often get very frustrated at myself because I know there's more I could be doing and I waste all this time sleeping. You know, I'm, I'm down to four hours a night or five hours a night on average, which is just, you know, I, if I sleep any more than I get really peeved at myself and I'm not up at 3.30 in the morning, which I normally am. But, you know, you get up and you start doing stuff and then you tally it up, you know, an extra one hour each side of the day, you know, two hours a day. 728 hours a year that's an extra month of life a year that you haven't wasted sleeping so you know i believe that makes a difference you know if i get an extra month every year of work time or you know quality time to do stuff then i'm going to do a lot more than someone else for and so that's my drive and every day that i get up and i go why do i do it i have that internal battle with myself going you know what because you're going to get up and you're going to do it now shut up and get up and that's what i do <laughs> you know? and i think we all go through that i think everyone goes through that stuff it's not just me it's i'm no, no case study i think everybody goes through these negativities and I mean it's, it depends on how badly you want it and how how willing you are to take the hits I mean I've broken nearly every bone in my body I've fractured my spines I've snapped tendons off my legs I've done all kinds of nuts injuries my fingers are numb every morning when I get up I have to shake my hands for nearly three four minutes to get the feeling of my two small fingers in each of my hands because there's so many elbow injuries from years of martial arts and weight training that my fingers have no feeling anymore. so and I'd do it all again 
because yeah. I loved what I did back when I did it. And so you've got to be prepared to take the pain and go through the hits and go without sleep and go without food and all the things that people piss and moan about because sometimes you just got to. If you really want to do it, you go do it. I mean, that book I wrote, it's only about 65, 70,000 words, but I mean, that took me about two and a half years. But if you don't start, you never get it done. And I just went, oh, I'll do a couple of pages every day and I'll just chip away at it, chip, 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 chip. And then, you know, now there's a book that's been written. So, I mean, that stuff, you know, same with film, you know, you start yeah. writing it out and you just keep going and that's what does it. I mean, if you don't have that drive, you're not going to make it anyway. So, but know, I think it's, it's interesting though how you, you put it out there saying you're not sure it's, uh, something that, you know, whether your story is any, anything special to anyone else, it's like it, it's good from what you said before about how when you do a video and you put it out there and someone goes, thank you, that saved my life, that one person, that's the motivation for interviewing you today is going, well, I know how much everyone's story counts and your story is one where people can see the value in what someone's doing. Like in what you do, you, what I take from what you're saying as well is that you can achieve anything you set your mind to. I think the biggest challenge is you deciding what your mind wants to be set on. Does that? Yeah, and be willing and be willing to know that. It, and, yeah. And to, yeah, and to, and also to know that sometimes it's just going to be doing, you're going to be doing it for free for a long time. I mean, I was making movies. God, I didn't get paid for film for years. And then when I finally got into the industry, I was getting a thousand bucks a week. And I thought, oh, that's cool. I'd, I'd work for nothing because I just wanted to be in film and I just wanted to make movies. And, you know, I remember my first pay rise. My first pay rise, I went home and I remember telling Debbie before we got married, I said, I just got a pay rise. So she goes, how much? So they give me an extra 70000 a year for my last pay. And then the next one went up again. The next one went up again. And I mean, and I wasn't asking for it. They said, this is what you're worth to us now. And Wow. But I, I was willing to do it for free forever because I just love to do it. And so that's what it is. Even when I speak, like I, there's so many times I'll, well, you met me speaking at a, I did that for free over there with you guys. And, and I drove all the way to God knows where was it? <laughs> Middle of, it that's three and a half hours for me in a car to drive for free to go and talk to, you know, a, a ladies group, a, a business ladies group about, you know, my story. And, because I, I hope that it helps someone and I hope that the message helps someone or inspires someone to go that bit further and fight that extra day or put in that yeah. extra work to that business opportunity that, that might not be there yet where you don't go, you know what, I could have given up, but I didn't. And you, know, you look like, at those books like Chicken Soup for the Soul and these things that have all been, they went to 150, 60, 70 publishers. And no one ever said yes. And finally someone did and they sold, well, God knows how many million copies. But, you know, you get, if you just keep pushing some, if, if the passion's there and the, and, it, and the emotion's right, I mean, you've got to love it. And you've got to do it no matter what. And that's the difference. And, and if you do that, then somehow it seems to work itself out. And I found when I heard you speak for that first time, geez, a couple of years ago, I, it did make a difference. I, that was where I was compelled to come and speak to you afterwards because it was that, yeah, your story does make a difference when you realise that someone's going through challenges. And it, it's actually powerful to hear both sides of a story. Often I see, well, we were talking about this before about social media. You hear one side, you hear the roses, not necessarily what the thorns are in between the roses. And when you understand that someone else, you're not alone in going through challenges, that's a big impact. I think that's where your story is powerful because you keep it real. You get it out there, warts and all. But the, and the comeback journey is the best thing. I mean, you know, my when we all the film went to, to custard and we came back and looked like we were going to lose our home and all the rest of the stuff, I ended up being in labour, God, for over a year. 
and life took me to the real edge. I mean, the comeback journey from that was me writing, me getting another screenplay done, a book done, and me winning the World Pistol Shooting Championships in the USA in, in that same year of mm-hmm. it all being lost to come back. And the comeback journey is always so much more powerful because you, you seem to find this resilience that you never had before. And when you t- kind of give life the finger, you know, you're not going to beat me up yours. I'm coming back at you. You better be ready. And that's what happens. And you, you just, that's the point where people sometimes give up. And that's if what I say can help them over that. That's fantastic, you know. And that's, you know, I was really stoked last week. I think the Australian did a whole page on me, my life and some of the stuff I do in talking and that. And yeah. It was really cool to see that that's, you know, and I'm just did it as a chippy. It's, well, I'm just a regular guy. There's nothing flash. People look at, as you're saying, the big bells and whistles. People look at all the stuff and, Academy Awards, all this crap. I mean, it's all bullshit. I mean, all that stuff doesn't mean anything. You know, at, at the end of the day, they're all doorstops. And so it, what, what it comes down to is the journey you have on the way and the people you meet, the, the, the true relationships you form, and then how many lives you better on the way, you know, and having the true respect for people. And if you've got someone in your team, know everything about them. You know, I knew everyone that ever worked with me, for me, whatever. That, but if you've got your team that you're managing and you're running and you're working with, if, if if you know everything about them and you actually care about them and they know you're willing to go to the wall for them and you're willing to lose your own position for them and, and they'll give you everything, you know, and that's the honesty and the truth about if you live your life that way, then good things will happen because they just do. Yeah. I love that. I've got a question for you. It's like, where do you see yourself in 10 years? <laughs> I hope I'm still top side of the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bury me with a shovel so I can find my way back out. Um, <laughs> I mean, my, my aim, I mean, the whole aim for doing the book that I wrote was actually the book I wrote was for my kids. And because when I nearly died about a year and a half ago, uh, we were getting ready to training for Everest and I, I did a huge training day and it was 40 degrees. I did nine hours of training and I nearly died of a stroke. And so that was something very interesting because it was the time I, I was sitting in the hospital and I was in the stroke ward, which I felt really young because everyone else was about 95 except me. And then I'm in the, in the ward sitting there and all I thought about was my kids. I didn't care about anything I'd ever done, won, none of it. None of that meant a thing. So all these people get hung up on all this crap that they go on about, about what they've won and achieved. No, tell, let me break it through. No one gives a shit. At the end of the day, what matters is what you leave behind or what you do for your family. And so that's what I thought about was my kids and how do I get better for my kids? How do I make the world better for my kids? What can I leave behind? So I wrote the book for them and it was when we finally finished it. Someone said, you know, you should get it out there. And I thought, well, if it helps me with my speaking and helps to get my message out, then I'll do it. So, I mean, 10 years time, I'd love to be speaking globally. I mean, that's something really important to me and it's not for the money. I would happily mm-hmm. give all the money away. I mean, it's, you know, and I speak all around Australia. I get paid half the time. I just do it because I love it and I do it because it helps people. And if I go to a building site and I speak to chippies or if I go to, you know, the heads of Coca-Cola or whatever, you know, Henry Schein Halas or any big medical companies that, that I've spoken for at their world conferences and things. And I, I do what I do there. Sure. Some of the companies pay, but any of the charity work, they don't ask for a cent. I just do it because I think it matters. And I love to speak and I love to help. So 10 years time, I think, or I hope, or I'll work towards, you know, you can say what you want, but I'll, I'm going to be working towards, you know, going international with speaking and, you know, and we may have another film or two out the door by then as well. Awesome. I look forward to seeing what the next 10 years unfolds as, is looking at what you've done in the previous 10 years. It's never quite know. Like yeah. you you seem to grab opportunities and run with them. We have to, I mean, cause you never know where they're going to come up. I mean, they're always circling somewhere, but you've just got to be very aware of when 
you know, and when anyone says can you or anyone says yes, just go with it. You go, yeah, let's do it. Let's rock. And if, if it all goes to absolute garbage, wonderful. At least you know. You know, I'm a big believer in falling down and and just scraping it off and getting up and going again. I mean, that's just the nature of life. And if you don't, then, you know, you're in for a very hard journey. I mean, actually something to do with the actual electronic world that, that I think older people are going to struggle with, and I think they struggle with now. I spoke on 2UE about this the other way, is that I think the, the hiring system has absolutely gone to, gone to the shit, to be honest with you. When people have to fill out, and I, and I couldn't imagine myself now, if I tried to get a job or a career or whatever doing, say, XYZ in some, some company, I wouldn't get past the, the first little ticker box thing on the computer because I don't have those qualifications. I don't have the things they're asking for. And I, I wonder how many businesses are cutting off their nose to spite their face when you've got this wonderful experience base out there and so many people but they don't get to have that face-to-face interview. You know, I, I, I landed my first gig running a fitness center down at the Manly Ring Leagues. So I'm training all the Sea Eagles, footy, footy players, when I was 18 years of age. And I had no qualifications. I think I had an ASHPA certificate, which I did in two days. It was worth nothing. And, but I beat 190 fully qualified instructors and, and college-trained people because they met me face-to-face. And I went, you know what, guys, I can show you how to set your gym up better. I can show you how to train your people better because that's what I grew up doing as a very young kid. I've been in gym since I was a little tacker. And that's what got me through. It wasn't because I had the qualifications, but if it came down to a computer and me having to tick the boxes, I wouldn't even got to look in. But had, yes. because they met me, that's what got me through the door. And I think we have to really look at how we balance out that hiring principles these days because I think we're losing some great people from industries that would benefit so greatly from having people that have so many more life experiences that could well benefit the business. It's interesting you say that because that's something that I'm really passionate about helping to educate people with the tools they have available to them so they don't have to worry about the ticker box approach. Yep. So I see the real power in doing that. Like if someone can be empowered to know how to use Facebook and LinkedIn to get their next job without having to tick those boxes is that's where I see my ability to make a difference as well, because I, I'm with you on that. I don't have. Yeah, and, I, and I know, and I know you do it from the right place. Sorry? Know, but I know you do it. I know you do it from the right place. I know you do it. Mm. I think just think a lot of companies are lazy and they need to readdress that. Cause I think, you know, there would be much better places if they hired some of the other people they might've actually got to meet. Cause you're right. It's like, if I can help someone see that if they can master video and be able to put a video out there of who they are. So it's like they can meet their potential employee, get to know them online. That's a more effective use of social media to be able to do that, get in front of the faces of the people who'd be doing the hiring. I can see ways, I know ways to do that now. And I, I'm with you. I don't have the, the background of a traditional marketer. So it's when it, it comes to ticking boxes, I see, I've seen that approach, but I, businesses do constantly cut their nose off despite their face by looking at that traditional approach. They need to be shaken up. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, the day it happens, people are going to be thankful, you know. I mean, it's funny, I always, I always laugh because I have absolutely no qualifications in any area other than, as I said, other than carpentry. But yet, like, even in a few weeks' time, when I go and speak to the Australian and New Zealand CEOs of Lego, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I've actually, I've asked to be paid in Lego. I said, well, I want some really cool stuff for Lego that you can't get, so they're going to organise some for me. But, you know, they will talk to me uh, and I'll speak to them all about how to, manage and run their teams and company better and it's it's there's no miracle to it 
It's yeah. just giving a rat's backside. You know, you just care. And if you actually care about your team and you put them at the forefront of what you do, every decision you make is based around them. You don't blame them and throw them under the bus and all that stuff that I've seen so many supposed managers do. They'll fight for you till the end of the end of time. I've got guys that will fly from the other side of the world to work with me any tick of the clock I get them because they know that I actually care about them and then I'll, I'll fight for them. You know, you've got to let people be creative and be themselves because, you know, if you, if you micromanage people, you, you, same, same thing. You kind of, you, you lose them there too. So, you know, I think there's so many facets we've got to be careful of when it comes to management. But I think, you know, digital world, I think we've got a lot to learn still. I do. I know I've got a lot to learn. Yeah. So, you know, but I'm enjoying the process. I'll put it that way. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, I must have going to social media marketing world in San Diego this year. They were talking about how we're only in the first 10 years of social media. We're at the cutting edge. We're still defining how things, like the pioneers. And I hadn't looked at it that way before, but of course they're right. Like this is such a, it's so new and the dust hasn't settled. We're still trying to figure it all out. And anyone who thinks it's all figured out yet has actually missed the point of it. I agree. I, I really do. And I look back to my grandmother, you know, I think back when she, you know, back in 1921, when she got in a, a rickety old rag sticks and wire biplane with a guy called Hudson Fish and gave him a ton of money to fly with him, you know, and no one would. Everyone was too scared to, to and that was the forefront of aviation, you know, that was Hudson Fish, that, the money she gave him helped start Qantas. And had she not flown with him, maybe that wouldn't have worked, you know. So yeah. I look at what she did back then and what she was at the forefront of, which then in her lifetime, she was able to go from, you know, growing up riding horses through the back of, you know, back of Queensland to in Quilby to, to school to go on steam trains to electric trains to finish her life on a bullet train in Japan, but also to see a Scottish Avro biplane then go to propeller planes and go to j- jumbo jets then finally Qantas gave her a free trip to life when she was 65 and she flew in all the stupid jumbos. I mean, to see it came from in aviation to where it went within the time space of, you know, 80 years, 70 years. I think, you know, we're going to travel a lot faster in social media with the electronic world. I think in the next five, 10 years, it's going to be huge differences. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the wild ride. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, life's a journey. You've got to get on the boat and have a crack at it. You know, that's what it's about. You know, yeah. if you make a mess on the way, who cares? You know, <laughs> this is what it is. <laughs> Enjoy the mess. Make a big mess if you're going to make one. I love that. Enjoy the best. Yes, we go with that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today. This has just been a fantastic chat and insight into what you do as well. I have no idea if it it helped anybody, but I hope it does. (laughs) Oh, I definitely think it's helped. It started with me, definitely helping, and I look forward to putting it out there to the world and letting them have the opportunity to learn as well. Oh, fantastic. Thanks, Greg. Hi, Serena. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening. The best time for you to take action is now. Get out there and use digital for what it's intended for to make your life a better one.